welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. down here at Three Crosses Retreat Center and I thought this was a very appropriate place to illustrate what I want to share with you today. Um, What I want to talk about is in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10, the Apostle Paul tells us, finally my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And the same word that he uses there for power, the same word that he's telling us to be strong in, is the exact same thing that he writes in Ephesians chapter 1 when he says that God raised Jesus from the dead. Same power. And I mean, I don't know about you, but that excites me because as a follower of Jesus Christ, living in a world where I have to fight spiritual battles and I have to try to win the victory, knowing that I have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that lets me have confidence and it really lets me like, you know, the Apostle Paul says, be strong, be strong, shoulders back, head held high. This is real power that's available to you. It's actually a command saying, be strong in that power. It's actually telling us that this is real for us today. It's not a someday power, it's a right now power. The, the Bible also tells us that, that this power is available to us to fight these battles, that it's a, a real tangible thing that should be demonstrated in our daily life every day. And the other thing is when you think about it, this is the most powerful force on earth. The soldiers, when they were guarding the tomb of Jesus Christ, when they felt this power that we're talking about, they fell over as dead men. That's what the Bible says. That's strong power, and that power is there for us, and it's not there for us so we can just be church attenders. I'm telling you, this power is there for us so we can advance the kingdom of God, build His church, and do more than we ever could in our own strength and in our own power. Today, as we look at the armor of God and we look at the next piece in this whole uh, armor that God gives us, I want to tell you, the strength is yours, the power is yours. Get ready to live in victory and get ready to move out and do more for God because that same power that raised him from the dead is in you today. Now, aren't you glad that that same power is available to you today and that you don't have to fight in your own strength and in your own power, but you have the power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's what's available to you in spiritual warfare. 
And I love that the Apostle Paul addresses that uh, because he's telling us, hey, we're going to fight battles. We're going to fight principalities and powers. We're going to do all this as we've been looking at in Ephesians chapter 6. But he says, you're not doing it in your own strength, but you're doing it in the power of God. And how many know when you go into a battle, you assess your strength? Three of us. All right. So are we, how many know, though, when you're going into battle, you assess your strength, you kind of size up, you know, how are we doing? How are we doing? What's our inventory? What do we have going into battle? What do we have to fight with? And if somebody says, hey, we've got spitballs and fly swatters, you're in trouble. How many know that? You, you want to have some firepower going into battle. And the Apostle Paul tells us, all right, you're going to have spiritual battles, you're going to have warfare that you're going to face, but you have some power. You have some strength available to you, and I want to let you know the power that you've got is the power that raised Jesus from the dead. He's like, you've got that power available, so when you're fighting and you're going in these battles, he's backing you up, and how many know with that kind of power backing you up, you're winning? You are winning, and I'm telling you what, I've had an experience that, you know, I love golf. You know that I love to do that. I love uh, a thing that we do in golf called a scramble. Anybody know what I'm talking about with scramble? You put four people together, and uh, the, you play together as a team, and, and I'm usually captain of that team because I'm pastor of the church, and so... Uh, <laughs> But I'm not the best golfer. And so what I do is I assess our team and I put together some really good golfers on our team. And then we go and we play these tournaments and I get the victory and I reap the rewards of the strength of our really good golfers. And I'm as good as they are because they are on my team and they're as bad as I am, but we go to their strength. And how many know it's fun to have a really strong golfer with you in a scramble, right? And so we keep winning, and I think about it, I am strong, and I get the power of Max or Brian or whoever else I bring on my team that's a good golfer, and I get all the reward. They, they win it. It's their power, their strength, and I get it. The power of God is ours. We get his might, his strength. It's available to us. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, and when we go into battle, we have that strength. That ought to give us confidence as we move forward. And the armor piece that we're going to look at today is one that should give us confidence, all right? Apostle Paul's writing in Ephesians chapter 6. Last week, we looked at the belt of truth. Today, we're looking at the breastplate of righteousness. And if you have your Bibles, turn to me to Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, we're going to read just one verse there, and then I'm going to go to a couple different verses. Um, you can jot them down in the margin of your Bible. I would encourage you to do that. Take some notes on this. But Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. The Apostle Paul says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. We talked about that last week. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. And so we're going to talk today about the breastplate of righteousness. And this is one that I believe personally in this entire series that we're doing, this item of the armor is going to be your breakthrough piece. I just believe that. I believe this is going to be your breakthrough piece. This is the most unused piece of armor. It is the one that we've neglected to put on. And I think at the end of this, there should be a spiritual breakthrough for a lot of people in this. All right, now let me just explain the the breastplate that uh, the Roman soldier would wear. It was made out of uh, brass or bronze. Um, It was usually brass, though. It was very shiny. They would shine it up, and it was front and back. And this breastplate that they would wear, and the Apostle Paul was uh, accustomed to this. He'd be looking at the soldier. He'd see this there, and it was about 40 pounds for the average person. 
Okay, so 40 pounds. You know, it's got to stop weapons. So it's got to be something to protect your heart, your vital organs. And so it's about 40 pounds front and back. Uh, the Bible tells us that Goliath's breastplate was about 125 pounds. So just put it in perspective. Average was about 40. Goliath's is 125 pounds. And that's what we've got going on here. So this was... Um, like a, a flak vest, if you will. This was like a, uh, you know, in our common day, the police have flak vests or our military have a flak vest. And so it would cover their vital organs. And how many know that if you're wearing a breastplate or a, a flak vest, how many know you're going to fight with a lot more confidence? How many know that if a police officer is going into a room and he's not protected right here in the vital area, he's going to kind of come around the corner a little bit, or he realizes, I am fully exposed. But when he has that covering his, his midsection, when he's covering his vital organs, he knows that he's got a great deal of protection there, and he goes into the room with a whole different level of confidence than he does if he's not wearing his flak vest, all right? Now, uh, this confidence that we have in Christ when we understand the righteousness that is ours, and as we get into this today, as we understand this righteousness that is ours, I believe we will act as confident followers of Jesus Christ like we've never uh, acted before. There will be a level of confidence in us that will go up when we understand the breastplate of righteousness that is on us, that is ours in spiritual warfare, and a lot of us are going around without confidence, we do not have the confidence of the righteousness of God, and I'll explain that in a minute. But here's what a lot of believers have in their life. They don't have confidence. They are walking around wondering if they really are strong in Christ, wondering if they really are uh, forgiven, wondering if what the Bible says is really theirs is really theirs. And so what we have is a very weak church. We have a church that is not wearing the breastplate of righteousness. They don't have their flak vest on, and they're walking around timid. They're not able to step out in victory. They're not able to step out in boldness because they don't understand this. And so here's what happens. We have a lot of Christians that understand this. Let me help you out. In Psalm 143, verses 1 and 2, you understand this, and you can relate to this scripture. The Bible says this, O Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for mercy. In your faithfulness and righteousness, come to my relief. Do not bring your servant into judgment, for no one living is righteous before you. And so we live that way. We understand, Lord, we understand you're righteous and we're not righteous. And Lord, don't, don't bring me into judgment. I'm, I'm so unworthy. I know what I've done wrong. And a New Testament scripture that a lot of us are familiar with is Romans 3.10. There is no one righteous, not even one. And so we know that. We've heard that. Some of us have heard the Roman road of salvation where people are pointing out these scriptures to us and they're showing us that we're not righteous, that we're sinful, and we're right. You're right. I've come so short of the glory of God, which is Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so we know this, and so we're living in the knowledge of these scriptures. These are ones that most of us here have heard before. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we've got these ones memorized. We understand that. We know that we've fallen really short of God's righteousness, and we've all sinned, and no one's perfect. And Lord, you're righteous, and we're not. Okay? And so we're living there as followers of Jesus Christ without understanding the, the righteousness that is now ours. 
A lot of us don't read verse 24 of Romans chapter 3. Listen to what it says. Let me read verse 23 and then verse 24. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But this one says, And are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And that justification means you were made right before God because of what Jesus did. And he's saying you came really short. You had no breastplate of righteousness. You had no covering on you. But when you gave your heart to Jesus Christ, you were justified. You were given the righteousness of God. Everything good in Jesus Christ was put on you. Everything bad that was about you was put on him. And you now are righteous. I know that's not getting through yet. I can tell because nobody said amen. All right? Let me give you another scripture. 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Okay? So in this process, we were sinful. We know Romans 3.10. We know Romans 3.23. We know Psalm 143. We know that we are not righteous. We know that we're not living right because righteousness is a moral term. It's a moral term. It means living it straight. It means being acceptable to God. It means having right standing before God. And so we know that we're not in that place. And when we came to that realization that we are sinners and we are not in right standing before God, we thank the Lord for the grace that he gave us, but we didn't really realize that now we're living in his righteousness. And as far as God's concerned, when he looks at us, he says righteous, right standing, living straight, morally good. And you're like, serious? Serious? That's mine. He says, I now put on you the breastplate of righteousness. And when you go into battle, you go into battle in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You go in standing right before God. And that's an amazing thing because now you realize that you have been made positionally perfect before the Lord, accepted before the Lord God. And, and you're perfect. And you're like, but I don't feel perfect. We'll get to that in just a minute. But positionally, you as a follower of Jesus Christ are righteous. You are standing in right standing with God. And let me give you another way to remember the word justified. Because for me, this helped. When it says you're righteous, you're justified, it justified would be just as if I'd never sinned. It's a great way to remember it. Just as if I'd never sinned. So when you're standing before God and you ask for forgiveness of your sins, he said, you are now righteous you are justified. It's just as if you'd never sinned. You're like, but I did sin. He's like, I know, but my righteousness covers that. My just, you're justified. You're standing before me righteous. Now, can you understand how, how this just all of a sudden changes everything? Because now you're in right standing with God positionally. And instead of, uh, here's how a lot of Christians live. They're like, well, I was a sinner and I said the prayer, but I still feel a lot of sin and I'm not quite sure that I'm righteous. So you know what I'm going to try to do? I'm going to try to get holy so I can be righteous. And if I get really holy, then maybe I'll come to church and I'll feel really good about myself and I'll feel worthy to be used by God. And when I feel righteous and I've done enough holy things, then I really will feel righteous and I'll act righteous. Wrong thinking. Wrong thinking. You are righteous in Christ. And you ought to say this, because I'm righteous, 
And because God accepts me, and because I'm loved by God, and because when he looks at me, he sees righteousness, I enjoy pursuing holiness, and I'd like to start acting like the position that I'm in. I'm not trying to get there, and I'm not trying to get holiness in so I can get righteous. I am righteous, and as I follow God in holiness, it's just natural because that's the position I'm in. I ought to start living that out practically. Does that make sense? It changes it all up, and it's a great response. It's a response to the love of God, not an attempt to win it, and that's critical. The love of God is already for you. He's already given you his righteousness. And he says, it's on you. I'm with you. I'm for you. And in response to that love, you say, I want to live in holiness. I want to do things that make you happy. I want to live the way that you position me. Now, here's the thing. The Bible tells us that we have the righteousness of God on us. That's positionally, okay? Some of you are just grabbing that. You're wrapping your arms around that. You're saying, okay, I'm righteous in Christ. I got that. But you're like, but I don't feel righteous. How many would be honest at here and at all the campuses? You raise your hand and you say, I don't feel righteous. It's okay. Raise your hand. You say, I don't feel righteous. Okay, I'm going to do a sermon on lying in a couple of (laughs) weeks. It's not part of the armor. We're going to interrupt the syrup. Seriously, though, I talk to so many people. They don't feel righteous. They don't feel right. They don't think that they're righteous. They might understand they're positionally righteous, but in their mind, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And so you're thinking, I I can't be righteous. I can't be righteous. Here's why. Because God, I know what I did. How many of you know that when God forgives you, he doesn't take away all your memories? And so you, you have to understand, I am now righteous in Christ no matter what my memories tell me. I am now righteous in Christ, no matter what I realize I did, I am now righteous, I'm perfect, I'm forgiven in Christ. And here's what happens, the the devil comes and attacks you, and he says, you're not righteous, and you're like, I know, I know, because I know what I did yesterday, I know, I know I'm not righteous, and he's like, you're not righteous, And, and we forget that positionally, we are righteous, and he says, you can't do that, now sit down. You're like, you're right. And, and, and you say, well, I was going to do something for the Lord. I was going to try to work and do something at church. But, and the devil says, you can't do that. You are not holy enough. You are not righteous enough. Sit down. Attend only. And even then, be very sporadic because you are not righteous. You are not righteous at all. You, you stay put. You don't try anything. And so mentally, we just, okay. Okay, I'm not righteous. I'm not. We don't realize it. And that's why we have to renew our mind and understand that we are righteous in Christ. That we have that position of righteousness. And we're going to get our mind to think differently so that when we're attacked, we can say, no, 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 no. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I think. This is what the belt of truth says. And the belt of truth says, I'm righteous, and I don't have this all figured out, but I know one thing. If I've got righteousness, I'm not giving it up. I'm not giving it up. I'm going to keep a hold of that one because that's a really strong thing. So we know that we're positionally righteous. We start to get mentally, we're still struggling with that. And then conditionally, we know day in, day out, how many know we don't live very righteous lives? We just don't. 
We don't live the way that we should. God lives perfect, and we live imperfect. And as we follow him, we pray that we live less and less imperfect, that we start being more conformed to the image of Christ. We start doing things that are more in line with his will, and the old man falls off, and the new man gets renewed every day, and we start living with this new nature. We like that, but we know conditionally that that we're just not there. We know conditionally, daily in that spot, we're not there, but we got to go back to the position. You have righteousness in Christ. You have that on you. That is yours. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, you are righteous. Now, I want to tell you why I think the Apostle Paul used the breastplate of righteousness. And he didn't say, you know, helmet or whatever else. Here's why I think it is. Because the Jews believed that the two vital areas that you had to uh, protect, if you will, were your heart and your guts. They believed that, your heart and your guts, because they said, out of your heart, that's really where you think. Now, we would say in our culture, you think out of your mind. They would say, no, 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 no. We think you think out of your heart. You think out of your heart, and that's really your thinking and the way you think about yourself. So you'd say, the breastplate of righteousness, it's, it's covering the way you think. And then they would say, out of your guts, they would say, that's your emotions. And so I believe Paul specifically chooses the breastplate of righteousness because he's saying God is going to protect the way you think and God is going to protect the way you feel. And you need to start thinking and realizing that you are righteous and your thoughts need to change and you need to have your feelings come into obedience with the position that you're in and your thoughts and your emotions need to come under the authority of Jesus Christ and start acting and living in that righteousness. Now that's, that's a huge breakthrough for some of you. I could see the light would go off because if you're, you're attacked in your thinking, you're attacked in your emotions. You're attacked there, and so when the devil comes along, he says, again, you're not worthy, you're not righteous, you can say, you're right. I am not worthy. I'm not worthy. I I didn't do anything to get here. Basically, I received Christ's righteousness, and you're right, I'm not worthy. You're not righteous. You're right, I'm not righteous on my own strength, but guess what? I'm not fighting you by myself. I have the righteousness of God, and guess what? I'm righteous. And if you really get that battle, remember we talked in previous weeks about the battle of the mind. In that moment, you just have to remind them, you know, I know what the word says, the belt of truth, it's not lying. I know what it says. I am right in Christ, and I'm not yielding on this one. I'm not yielding. And if you have to, you can do the saying that you didn't believe when you were a kid. I'm rubber, you're glue. Anything you say bounces on, off of me and sticks on you. How many know, right? And you didn't believe that as a kid, but your parents taught you that to handle bullies. But I'm telling you that is true when it comes to the devil. When the devil comes to attack you, you just say, no, I, I, I am not, I'm not falling for that. I understand that I am right in Christ. I have the righteousness of Jesus on my life. I, I, it's not up to me anyways. And if it was up to you, you'd, you'd fall way short. So it's not up to you. It's not up to me. I didn't do it. I accepted the righteousness of Christ. And I can now walk differently because I have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So positionally, mentally, Uh, conditionally in our daily walk, we should start living in the righteousness of Christ. So let me tell you how this should affect you if you are living in the righteousness of Christ, where I think this will be a breakthrough for you. First of all, I believe this, that if you are understanding that you are righteous in Christ, 
your prayers will be different. Okay? Here's how someone prays when they don't understand that they are right in Christ. They're like, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I, you know, I'm terrible. I'm, you know, if you could ever. And, you know, I, oh, probably not. And I don't even think you would ever. And, you know, Lord, if you could just give us a little something. Just a you know, Lord, oh, terrible me. You know, oh, boy. How many know? And you can be in a prayer meeting. You hear people pray like, oh, Lord, just, you know, we you don't even, we don't need anything. We're defeated. You know, and you can just tell. And people don't even want to pray. A lot of people. But when you understand that you're righteous in Christ, remember, it's not because of anything you've done. That would be self-righteous. Okay? You are righteous in Christ. You have forgiven. You are right before God. He said, I want you in a relationship with me. It's all because of grace. You have righteousness. How many know you can pray different? You can pray in confidence, believing. You can pray in authority, believing. You can pray realizing it's not up to you anyways. It's all up to God. And your prayers will change when you understand the breastplate of righteousness. I guarantee you, you can listen to people's prayers and tell whether they're wearing righteousness or not. So evaluate yourself. How are your prayers? Do you get this, that you know what you did, but it's been forgiven. You are now in right standing before God. You're going to pray differently. Another thing, if you are wearing the breastplate of righteousness, you are going to step out boldly and do things for the Lord. I'm just telling you this right now. The enemy sidelines so many people because they, he says, you can't do it. You're not righteous. And you go, you're right. You're right. I am not perfect. I have a confession for you. As your pastor, I am not perfect, Okay. If you have a false understanding of being a pastor, that I am perfect, I hate to burst your bubble, but I'm not perfect, and my wife Becca is really not perfect. No, I'm just kidding. She's like, she's more perfect than me, okay? We are not perfect. I am not the perfect spouse. I am not the perfect dad. I am not the perfect anything, okay? I am trying to live in the righteousness and daily have my life line up more to the righteousness of God. I'm trying that but I am positionally righteous. And God uses me even though I am imperfect and I'm willing to step out in boldness and say, in your righteousness, I'll do this. If I had to wait until I was perfect to start this church, there would be no church. I'm just telling you, there would be no church. Now that doesn't excuse me to go and live any way I want to, but I'm just telling you, if I had to be perfect every day and never, ever, ever do one thing wrong, I would never be the pastor that I am today. And the enemy tells you over and over again, you can't step out and do that work because you're not perfect. All of us need to be used by God. And when you understand that it's the righteousness of God on you, you will step out and do things boldly. You may be terrified, but you will still step out in faith, believing that that righteousness will cover you. And when the enemy throws his attacks at you, you will have a flak jacket on. You will have a flak vest on so you can advance the kingdom of God. And many of you that don't step out boldly, that aren't doing something for the Lord, I really don't think you understand the breastplate of righteousness that is on you. And when you get that, you'll say, Lord, use me. Use me. I had this week, I had lunch with a guy, and he said, I get it. I get it. I was saying, God, you can't use me. You can't use me. I'm not perfect. And then he finally said, in me, you're okay. You're perfect. I'll use you. And he's like, I get it. But he said, the enemy almost kept my testimony, almost kept my story down and suppressed because I thought I had to be perfect or a whole lot better before he could use me. So when you understand righteousness, you'll step out boldly. 
Another thing, when you have the breastplate of righteousness, your thinking changes. It just changes. Your whole thinking changes. You realize that you realize that uh, the lies are lies. You recognize those lies. You have something to combat them. You start understanding. You know what? That's not the way. That that is from the enemy. And your whole thinking changes. You've been able to renew your mind. All right. Another thing that happens when you're living in righteousness and you understand that the breastplate of righteousness is yours, you will get noticed. You will get noticed. Because just like the Roman soldier would wear that breastplate and it would shine, and when the sun would hit it, it would shine off of him and the enemy would see the glow that was coming off of that. As you start understanding your position of righteousness, as you start grabbing it mentally that you are right in Jesus Christ, as you start living it daily and and in your condition that you're in, you start lining up with more righteousness. You start saying no to the things of the world and yes to the things of God and holiness is not a burden to you, but you start doing it because you love God and you're in that position of righteousness, you will start to get noticed because righteousness shines like a light in a dark world. And all of a sudden, the world around you will notice the righteousness that's on you and you will stand out. You will stand out because you understand who you are in Jesus Christ. You'll act differently. You'll live differently. And all of a sudden, they'll notice that your speech is different. Your habits are different. Things are different because you are now living in the righteousness of God. You are not defeated, quiet, mealy mouse, just a little Christian trying to hold on. You have a boldness about you and you're taking territory from the enemy. And all of a sudden you're living in holiness and the world starts to see this. And I felt very strongly to share this with some teenagers. So if this applies to you, please receive this, but everyone can receive it because it works whether you're at work or neighborhood or in school, but I felt very strongly in prayer about teenagers this week. You are living for God, and you are living in righteousness. You are going to stand out in your school, your workplace, your neighborhood, but specifically school, as I talk to teenagers. You are going to stand out in righteousness in that school, and I'm going to tell you what the enemy is going to try to do. He is going to try to tarnish your righteousness. Instead of being a glowing breastplate of righteousness that will shine like the light of Jesus Christ around this world and will make a difference, the enemy will not like that you live for righteousness in your school. He will not like that. And the thing that he will try to do is he will try to say, try this. I can remember, I can't tell you how many times people offered me free drugs. And I said, I don't do drugs. I don't do drugs. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I don't do drugs. You should try it. It's all free today. Everything's free. You should try it. Everybody does it. Everybody would like it. You would like this. It's free. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. I want to live in righteousness. They're trying to tarnish my righteousness. Then people say, well, how come you don't have a girlfriend that you're going all the way with? You should go all the way. Everybody's going all the way. Everybody would like that. You would like that. You would like. They're all trying to tarnish my breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness. They're going to try to tarnish your breastplate of righteousness. They're going to say, try this. All the cool kids do. Everybody, if you, if you want to be accepted, why don't you swear like the rest of us? Because after all, if you would just swear and you would tell dirty jokes, then we'd all accept you and you would be like us with a tarnished breastplate of unrighteousness. And you're going to stand out like a, 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 just a light, a beam in this world if you have righteousness. And I'm going to tell you what, wear the breastplate of righteousness proud, not in pride, but proud. Wear it saying, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, and no matter what, I'm following him. 
You will not tarnish my righteousness. I wear this in the strength and the victory of Jesus Christ, and I don't need your approval. I need the approval of my heavenly Father, and right now, he's pretty excited that my breastplate is really shiny. That's the way you need to live it. It's almost be like the few, the tough, the proud, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you need to wear it. That's how, will that be lonely? You bet it will. You bet it will. It'll be lonely, but I guarantee you there are other people living in righteousness around you, and that's part of the strength of the local church. We come to the local church, and we're here with other people that are wearing that breastplate of righteousness, and we see others that are living for God and shining in this world, and we say, God, that's what I want to be. I want to be somebody that wears that uniform of Christ follower in a, in a way that is proud, not prideful, but proud to say, I'm, I'm not ashamed of you, Lord Jesus. I'm not ashamed of you, and I will not let the world tarnish the righteousness that you gave me. That's the way we need to live. The breastplate of righteousness is such a key key item to fight the battles of the enemy. And some of you need that protection over your mind and your emotions. You need to say, God, I ask for that protection. I step into that righteousness. I didn't feel it before, but if your belt of truth says that it's true, then I believe it and I receive that and I will pray differently. I will act differently. I will step out boldly and Lord, by your grace, I will be noticed and people will see that I am living for righteousness. Man, do you see why this is such a key item? It's a key item, and that's why I'm praying that the breastplate of righteousness will bring a breakthrough. So I'd like to pray right now for all of us here, and I'd like to pray. And if you are with a teenager that is your teenager, son or daughter, I want you to put your hand on them and pray with me and agree that they will have the protection of righteousness, that the world will not tarnish their shield or their breastplate of righteousness, but they will be strengthened and that all of us will receive this. But I, again, feel such a burden for the teenagers here. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray right now that we would receive that righteousness. Lord, when we gave our hearts to you and became Christ's Father, followers, we received that righteousness, but a lot of us didn't realize it. And so here we are right now receiving it again, realizing that it's ours. It's ours. It's on us. Doesn't matter what we did. Doesn't matter. We are now righteous. It's never been up to us anyways. It's all because of grace that we have this position with you, Lord Jesus. So we receive that righteousness, and I pray that we'd live differently And I pray, Lord Jesus, that those that have sat on the sidelines because they thought they're not good enough, they're not perfect enough, they uh, they can't be used, that they would overcome that lie of the enemy and live in the righteousness that Jesus Christ gives them. And now as a church, as a family, as a body of believers, and as individual families, we pray for the teenagers that are here with us right now. And I pray in Jesus' name that they would have the righteousness of Jesus Christ on them that the world would not tarnish the breastplate of righteousness, that the world would not pull them down as the enemy tries to say, try this, do this, you can, you can do this, it'll be fun, it'll be enjoyable. All they want to do is tarnish the righteousness of Jesus Christ that's on us, and we pray for them right now that they will not fall prey to this, but they will shine as bright followers of yours, living in the righteousness that's been given to them. And they will be an example. And that they will come together at this church and in our youth ministries that we provide for them. That they will come together and be challenged by one another, strengthened by one another, and realize there are others that are living in righteousness. 
We come against the attack of the enemy that says they're the only one living righteous in their school. And we pray that they would see that that's a lie, that they would know that there are hundreds that are living righteous, but it's the enemy's attack to isolate us and make us think that we're the only one and we should give in. And I pray that you'd strengthen our teenagers in Jesus' name to live righteous. And I pray that we would raise up the next generation to live godly and to go farther and do more than we ever dreamt possible for them. And we thank you. We thank you for your righteousness. We thank you for that. We all thank you for the righteousness that's ours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we stand all across this place?